Okay, Roland Schumann, welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you? Brett, good, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, uh, thanks for coming on. Um, I have been pushing you to come on the show and, and talk to me because um, if you don't know, uh, I've been a competitor of yours for over 20 years. You know, we raced many times against each other. Um, in recent years, we've become very good friends. Uh, I always had a great deal of respect for you as a competitor and you always gave me a hundred percent every time we stood up on the blocks and at the end of it, you always shook my hand, you know, um, most of the time you beat me to be quite honest. Uh, we actually, <laughs> probably why I shook your hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we actually stood next to each other in the final in, in Athens. You know, you were in lane four as the fastest qualifier for the 53. I was in lane five. The only time I've ever made the final at the Olympics and, and we stood next to each other. So we've had a very strong relationship. Um, in recent years, I've been able to assist you in, in writing some programs for you for coaching. Um, you know, you are in Arizona and I'm in Auburn, Alabama, so it's been remotely, but you've, you've asked me for assistance in kind of getting you in the water and helping you there. So I just wanted to be upfront with that. But obviously, it's been a very uh, intense nine months for you. And we've had many conversations privately about this. And I felt like it was important for people to hear directly from you. So Talk to us about the last nine months specifically and, and how you're doing. Yeah, I think just first and foremost, I want to thank you for being there. It was, I mean, you were one of the first or people that I contacted about it. And, you know, having, having been my friend and having worked with me, it's, you know, when something like that happens, you don't really understand why it's happening. You don't understand if it's going to be breaking news in any way, shape or form, you know, within the next couple of days. So it was important for me to be upfront and honest with you and, you know, it's, uh, you know, so yeah, so I'm just very, very thankful that you were there for me during that period, um, knowing me, knowing who I am, um, and doing it from a place that wasn't judgmental. It was a, truly a place of love. And, and it's been beautiful to actually see the people that I, you know, may have discounted or discredited that have actually come to me and, and been there and made themselves available for me in any way, shape or form. But it has been a, a very whirlwind, interesting nine months of my life. It's, uh, I don't think anybody can prepare you for what it's like. I think um, heading into it or beforehand, there was a level of, of judgment or, or ignorance in, in, on my part. And, you know, I think specifically to, to when Caesar tested positive. And I, I think most athletes function from a level of ignorance because it's not currently in their awareness mm. of, um, of, of testing positive. And, you know, after I tested positive and the results came out, I, I sent a message to Caesar. I said, I'm so sorry. I apologize because I came to you or, or I judged you based on a level of ignorance or, or a window or a perception within my conscience um, that didn't take everything into consideration. And I think that was my biggest fear is that the level of judgment, the level that people would, you know, judge me at from their own ignorance and their own misunderstanding. And you know, there's a guy out there that just has this beautiful articulation of it. And he says, you know, you cannot judge anybody else for that which they are ignorant to. And it just makes a lot of sense to me. So it's been, you know, I'm glad the, it took so long for the results to come out, um, to be made public. And I think there's one end of the spectrum where a lot of people sit back and say, well, we deserve to know. As the public, we deserve to know and we should have known. And I can understand why that is a desire for them. Um, but I think there's also, you know, when you take the athlete and the person into consideration that's going, currently going through that, 
I think there's a level of privacy that's well deserved and well earned before that gets made public. Ultimately, it was made public, um, and that's fine. But I'm very, very thankful and grateful that I had a period of time um, from personally being notified to the point where it was was made public, because that really gave me the opportunity to, you know, to to deal through the gamut of of emotions that I was feeling, whether it was you know, uh, worthlessness, um, uh, depression, whatever it might have been. To, to be able to come back and be like, okay, well, you know, see things a little bit more clearly. Yeah. And I think that's a very good point. You have had time to process this. So whatever people are reading in your body language right now, what, whatever that may be, you've had nine months, you've been through the lows of this and you've mm-hmm. come out the other end of it. So you're not still in that situation. And I was there when it hit. Um, so I know how hard it hit you. Um, and, and so we're all trying to just figure this out, right? And so I'm trying to come at this from a perspective of really I know nothing. And, and let's, let's kind of go through the process. Um, FINA has now released their full statement, which is great. I know we were waiting on that because mm-hmm. we wanted to get their full judgment. You've spent um, thousands of dollars in defending yourself and trying to get to the bottom of what happened. Um, I know that for a fact too, uh, to the point where you've really put yourself in... Um, a position of struggle due to the fact of how much money you've spent on this, you know? And so uh, you're, you're one of the most uh, respected Olympians in swimming history, but you, you've had a, a, an amazing career uh, against many of the top sprinters in the world. And you've been one of those, you're, you're an Olympic champion. So uh, this is a big deal for you. Honestly, we, we all know that. Um, and, and a lot of people are going to have questions about it. And that's kind of why I'm just wanting to talk to you today about well, what, what would be the questions and what are the things you want to say and, and what mm-hmm. do you want people to know? And we're not coming that this from a, a position of defense right now because you've already defended this. You've gone and you've, you've faced um, the courts and, and defended it. But now it's just a time for people to hear your voice. So take us back to the moment where you first heard the news and, and what that feeling was like. I was actually at a fit of faster clinic in, um, in DC and, you know, open up my email. Typically, you know, the way it goes, wake up in the morning, check my phone, check my messages, check my emails. Uh, emails came through from FINA and I said, okay, well I get notifications from email all the time or from FINA all the time. I get uh, whereabouts information. I mean, that that's pretty standard for an athlete. And, you know, I can't remember exactly what the headline said, but immediately there was just, a feeling of just sinking into the pit of my stomach um, and then going through the email and just said an adverse analytical finding from this and that date. And no, nobody can prepare you for that. You know, it's it, immediately I went white and I started panicking and, and had a roommate for the clinic. And I just start wondering, is do I speak to him? Do I tell him what it is? Do I tell him what happened? Um, don't I, you know, you, there are a million things just going through my head at that point in time. Um, David was actually one of the first people I contacted. I contacted you and, and just in tears, because I think for the longest time, I identified myself as an athlete, identified myself as an Olympic swimmer. And, um, you know, there's a certain amount of ego involved in that, which is a great thing. But then having this world around you come crashing down because, you know, because of this and the judgment of what people are going to think and, you know, what are they going to think of me? Are they going to think I'm innocent? Are they going to think I'm guilty? What do I think of myself at this point in time? Am I ever going to be able to identify myself as an athlete or as a swimmer again? Is that a realm where I'm ever going to be able to compete again? So it's, you know, just this plethora of emotions going through me at that point in time. And 
but then still having to be calm and collected and, and be able to present at a clinic for two or three days. And it just, with this thing that's just eating at you. And so I think there in and of itself, there was a significant lesson to me is, you know, you could be going through the significant struggle, uh, but you can also put on a brave face and, and, and continue to help those around you. So it was a, it's something that I don't wish on anybody. And, mm. and I think it gave me a different perspective as to, you know, Jessica Hardy, what she went through and having spoken to her mm. and hearing the battle she went through with Advocare and, and the whole process, um, mm. you know, a guy like Caesar, I think, you know, my personal opinion at that point in time, it was, you know, it's kind of like a car accident or somebody breaking into your apartment. It's always going to happen to somebody else. You know, it's never going to happen to me. I take the necessary steps. I take the necessary precaution to prevent something like this happen ha happening. But then there's that still that percentage. Uh, and, and no matter what you've done to try and mitigate it, it still happens. And then in that moment, you start to understand. It's like, I might have seen things in, in, in black and white for so long. <laughs> but there's so many shades of gray and in between and and different areas and avenues that I couldn't even have thought myself into. It's like, you can't, one of the sayings is, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And then all of a sudden this reality starts being there and being ever present. And you start having to learn how to accommodate that. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. So they send you this email within the document. Was there a mention of what exactly you tested positive for? Yeah, it was, it's, it's a substance called GW501516 or also known as Cardarine and or GW51 or 1516 as well. So it's a, I think it's a hormone modulator is my understanding. Um, and that was in and of itself surprising to me just because it, this comes up. I'm like, but, but what is this? Hmm. And then, then, then trying to understand and uh, you know, research it. What is it? How could it have gotten into my system? Um, trying to develop some sort of remedial level of understanding as to exactly what it is and, and where it could have come into the system. So it was, yeah, I mean, there was part of the, the continuation of that email was, um, well, how do you want to proceed? Do you accept fault? Um, would you like us to test your B sample? Um, and not having had the tools to understand what that was and, you know, I, I contacted David and he put me in touch with, with how Jacobs, my attorney at that point. And you know, it was, they were sort of instrumental in helping me deal with this because I didn't have the tools or the capacity to even deal with it at that point in time. Now, having gone through it all, you know, my hope is that I can continue to be a resource for other people that may potentially experience this, this in the future and be like, okay, well, I know what you've been through. Not many people have that level of understanding or that level of insight to be able to put themselves into that situation and be able to empathize and be compassionate enough and know, okay, well, maybe you were guilty, but maybe you're not. Because unfortunately in the society we live in, you know, and, and you see it on the comments and swim swam, we live in a society where we want to prove somebody wrong. And, and in that we're saying, Hey, your opinion is less important than mine is. And in some way, shape or form, I'm more important than you are. Um, without ever having been in a similar situation. And, and I was guilty of that. So I can understand that completely as well. But now for being from the other side, I can, you know, I can empathize a little bit more. And, and that's sort of what I want to do heading forward is, is be able to be a resource for other people that, that may in fact go through this because there are not a, a lot of people that are, are really ready to, to help that have been athletes, let's put it that way.
Yeah. A couple of things there. Yeah. David Arlock, uh, my boss at Fitter and Faster and, and we work for him. Um, and, and he was instrumental in helping you, you know, find your lawyer and, and get you connected with him. And, and so it's, it's important to get the right people around you, like you said, but just tell us what exactly is the drug uh, now that you've done your research on it and you've, and you've heard more about it and figured it out. What is the, what is the drug and how, did, how, what form does it come in? You know, my understanding is it comes in, it can come in a liquid form. It can come in pills. It can come in, um, in powders. Mm. Um, it was originally developed by GlaxoSmithKline. Um, and I guess through all the testing that it went through, um, they, they discovered that it, um, it caused cancer in mice. And at that point in time, they, they canceled it and canceled the usage of it or the production of it. And since then it's been more of a black market steroid for, for bodybuilders. Mm. Wow. Okay. So it does come in many forms. So it's realistic that this is a easily contaminated substance because it comes in so many forms that, you know, it, you know, some of the, some of the um, supplements you were taking, you know, there's proven history that supplements can be contaminated by many of our athletes have been, um, fallen into this trap now and i know you've done research on this and and many athletes have even been caught with this particular drug in terms of a uh, a uh, detrimental um you know adverse kind of mixing of the drugs that they weren't weren't even aware of at the time so um you know of other athletes who are kind of in the same position of you with this drug right yeah i think and i mean whether it's gw 501516 or, or whatever else it is it's you know, all you have to do is have a look at the, the USADA high risk list. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the total number of supplements are that are on there, but there's a significant amount of supplements that will either say it has listed X, Y, and Z. Um, so be aware of this or these supplements have, you know, have returned adverse analytical findings and, and, and the information isn't even listed on the label. So it's, you know, Unfortunately, through all of this process, my understanding is that, you know, the greatest risk of contamination comes in products that are from India or China. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, you know, it's, it's not as simple as, you know, say a supplement company, a, you know, they may very well make their own supplements and, you know, everything's legit, everything's legal. But what happens a lot of times that a lot of these supplement companies outsource the production. Mm. So you may have supplement company A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all producing out of the same factory. Mm. And say you have uh, supplement company A and they've just produced a batch and everything they do is 100% legit, but company D doesn't. And there's a cross mixing or um, there isn't a proper cleaning of the vats. So what happens is their powders go in and you know the next company that is c is also 100 percent legit but there's that cross-contamination of the batches yeah and we were, we were very fortunate that we had somebody from corva um, laboratories that explained everything and that gave expert testimony because it you know, I, I don't think i have enough of understanding of i think better understanding than what i did have um, but to understand all the implications of, of how it works and the risks involved are a little bit more than than my expertise garners yeah so how you you actually found out how much of this was in your system too right right and so it um it was the urinary metabolites so when something gets metabolized in your body it goes into the urine and then i think we had it was 1.3 nanograms of 
GW sulfoxide and then 0 0.03 nanograms of the sulfoxone. Um, that's my understanding, or it could be vice versa on those two. And it's, I mean, it's essentially you know, what I was you know, through all the research and looking into other people's cases like Kira Toussaint, the level of concentration in, in Kira Toussaint's, it was pretty much identical to what mine is. It's, you know, point zero 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 one uh, milligrams per liter, I believe, uh, which really is a, a speck in the ocean. And, and I think that's what was important for us to prove it's, you know, we, you know, and, and that's what my attorney helped prove and the testing helped prove that if I'd really been taking it with the intention to cheat, we're not going to have a level that's at that's that low and that's indicative of cross-contamination. We're going to have a level that's significantly higher if my intention was that. So I think that was really important for us to, to show and prove because, and that's why we waited so long to get onto this podcast. I mean, if I just came out and spoke about the initial findings or the initial results without waiting for, for the full explanation from FINA, then it could be hearsay. Then it could be me posturing. It could be my side of the story. Whereas it was important for me to wait until the entire story was out. So it, it's not just my objective opinion of it. it it's what did FINA say? What was their decision based on all of the information and, and the evidence that we were able to present to them? Yeah. Oh, well said, man. I'm glad you said that. Thank you. So what were some of the supplements you were taking and, and um, did you end up testing everything that you had been taking? Yeah. At the time I was taking, uh, I know they've listed it as HMD, but it's not HMD. It's HMB. Uh, I was taking Ambien, L-glutamine. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think I've got the list somewhere. Yeah. It was uh, Ambien, zinc, HMB, creatine, beta alanine, L-glutamine, CoQ10, uh, uh, Ayurvedic ghee supplements, as well as another Ayurvedic supplement called Trifala powder. Um, that was what we were taking for that period of time. But, mm -hmm. you know, with the delay in the notification, you know, and the fact that it could be in your system for up to 40 days, we didn't, you know, we didn't know what to test. I mean, that was what I, I declared. But seven days prior to that, I, I really wasn't sure because this is trying to recollect two months later down the line. So we took anything that might have been in my closet, whether I had used it, um, intended to use it, um, had been opened. We just sent everything in because it wasn't, a, you know, we sent what we believed might be the most likely source or have the source of the contamination in. Uh, we immediately put that in and, you know, we're speaking, I remember talking to the lawyer and being like, oh, okay, well, it's most likely going to be this. And he was saying, well, the last, you know, the case he had with an MMA athlete or a UFC athlete was a source of contamination and he ended up getting 87 odd million dollars, you know, winning it in a settlement. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be able to set up my life for good. I'm going to have, uh, you know, the supplement company be guilty and, you know, started, you know, planning my life and well, I can buy a house, I can do this. And, and it didn't, you know, it didn't quite happen that way. So it was we started sending more and more batches in you know, and you know, the hope was that by just sending everything in we would find it because that 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 was really what was important is really being able to find the source i mean the the lawyer was you know, realistic about the fact that you know unless we can really determine the source you're sitting at a two to four year ban and mm -hmm. 
And I think each of us innately has to find a reason or, or find a source and find an explanation. And, and I was no different. I am no different. Uh, you know, I wanted to determine exactly what it is because then I can say to the world, it's like, ha ha, you see, this is, a, this is it. This is where it was. And, and, and the, you know, the more we submitted things and the more negatives that came back, you know, I think there's a level of you know, being realistic and, and trying to you know, say, okay, well, this is the way it may very well go. And you know, still a level of optimism, like, man, we got this. I know, I know what my truth is. I know I never intentionally do this at all. So, you know, there's that hope of we're going to find it. We're going to find it. We're going to find it. And uh, yeah, it cost a lot. It was $16,500 worth of testing. So, and that's $550 per test. So I know a lot of people don't know that or understand it, but you're paying $550 to test a scoop of powder, you know, whether it's protein or a tablet or a couple of tablets. And uh, yeah. it, it becomes a, a very, very costly thing. It's important to say too that um, healthy supplementation for professional athletes is very common. It's not an uncommon thing. I mean, a, a lot of the professional athletes listening, listening right now would say that they, you know, take a protein supplement. They, they might take multivitamins. They might take amino acids. They, you know, these are very common because you're putting your body under enormous stress. And I think a lot of people will question that. Like, well, why are you taking supplements? Why don't you just eat? Um, it, it goes beyond that for someone like you because you are breaking your body down so hard uh, each day and you are an older athlete as well so your your body is taking longer to recover so you're going to need supplementation and put the right nutrients in there and and that's right. kind of what your objective was right right and i think uh, i mean at the end of the day we tested 30 supplements and um, i think the fina panel was was alarmed at the fact that there was 30 supplements but i think for clarification those supplements were uh, individual ingredient supplements vitamin C, zinc, B12. You know, my, my personal belief was, I mean, if, if you look at a supplement, uh, I had the, the list of, of exactly, but I mean, if you look at something like, you know, Centrum, Centrum's got 30 different ingredients in it. If you look at something like pre-caged, which is a common um, pre-workout, that's got up to 40 ingredients in it. Uh, NO Explode, it's the exact same thing. And it's, you know, my personal understanding, or not personal understanding, but for me, it was like, I want, to minim I want to mitigate the risk. If I'm taking a supplement that's got 40 different ingredients, maybe there's a greater risk of, of a contamination in there somewhere. So I wanted to just take, you know, the basics. It was like taking methylfolate, just breaking it down that way. And yeah, the only person that's really competed at the, at this level or at Olympic level at an and an older age is is Dara Torres. I mean, Anthony won gold as an older athlete. This isn't the norm. So, you know, you, having worked with me, you know as well, it's the, the way you coached back in the day at Auburn won't necessarily work now. And there are components, obviously, that will work, that, that will help with overall improvement and conditioning. But we have to investigate this whole different realm of eating, nutrition, stretching, creating this balance as, you know, as a coach and athlete and, and finding the way to tr still try and be successful. I mean, a guy like obviously Nick Santos says, you, you can see that he's found that balance a little bit better than most people. Um, and this, this isn't the norm. So we're trying to establish something that's, that's never done, be, be, never been done before. How many tests do you think you've had over your career? I think the first time I was at, ever tested was 1998 at, at the Commonwealth games. So 
I mean, a few hundred times. Mm. I don't know. And I don't think that's, I mean, and the reality is, I mean, I can say I've been tested 200 times, but a guy like Lance Armstrong could also say, hey, I've been tested 500 times and I was never positive. Sure. So it's like, while that can be an, an, an argument, um, and I definitely think it is, I mean, there are people out there that'll be like, oh, well, Lance Armstrong was tested 500 times or a thousand times and he never tested positive, but yet he was so guilty as well. So I don't think, I, I, I don't think that can be a benchmark of level of truth or, or not. Um, I think it helps indicate um, I, I think the greatest indicator for me was the fact that um, my test prior was uh, was negative and my test immediately after was also negative. When you when you book ending a positive test with with two negatives, I think that you know that creates a little bit more clarity on the situation. Sure. So you get your test results back and unfortunately none of the batches and this again you had to wait two months uh, to to let you know Fina let you know that okay we need to do some testing. So by then some of the batches, maybe that you'd taken, let's say you were taking a multivitamin or whatever, or let's say you're taking a B12, you know, you might have run, run out of that B12. And so that, now you've bought some new B12. So you're, you're out of that stuff. So anyway, the testing comes back and, and none of it has, has got any um, contamination in it. So then you decide to still go ahead and, and defend it. Uh, and so talk us through that process of going to Defina headquarters or wherever you went and, and talk us through that. Uh. I think when, you know, as you, as you start getting more and more negative test results, there's, there's a feeling and I'd be lying if I didn't tell you, I wanted to lie. You know, you, I mean, you, you've seen people get away with it where they have somebody else confess to have been using a supplement where it was. And by virtue of coming into contact with somebody, um, whether it's drinking from their water bottle mm. and just having somebody, you know, and I was tempted to do that. It was, you know, I was tempted to have a friend lie on my behalf and say whatever it is. Um, but, you know, you and I have spoken about legacies. Um, I think a younger Roland would have had this idea that a legacy is what other people think of you, what your accomplishments are, what your achievements are. Um, but through this whole process, I've begun to understand that legacy is ultimately what I think about myself and what I believe in myself and mm. to go to FINA and stand up and lie and risk being caught in a lie. You know, as, as hard as that was not to be a reality and go and sit there and, you know, and, and speak my truth and tell them exactly what I've done through my life and my career and the last year to help mitigate the situation. And even though, I've done my best to help mitigate this. There was still an error. And, and I used the example to Fina. I said to them, I don't know why there was a delay in notification of me, but please understand that, that as our father, mother, parent organization, and, um, and as the athletes, obviously the goal is to be able to benefit, be mutually, mutually beneficial. So for the athletes, you know, for FINA to believe that only the athletes are responsible or in, in, in some way, shape or form can mess up, I think isn't, isn't accurate. And this shows that FINA, there is a certain level of, you know, error that can be made on their side. So, you know, I'm happy I pointed that out because I think there should be a certain period in which you should be notified. Um, it could be improved. 
but to function from the level of understanding that only the athletes are guilty of negligence is inaccurate. Mm -hmm. So it was about being able to sit there and present and be like, I, I can't prove where this came from. I've tried, I've done everything in my power. And this is the way I've approached it. This is the way I've adopted it. And whatever happens, happens. This is my side and the decision is ultimately in your hands as to, to what you believe, what you see and, um, and what you decide from here on out. And I didn't know what that would be. Um, and I think, you know, there was a certain amount of sleepless nights beforehand, um, being emotionally drained, physically drained uh, off the case. I mean, off the, the hearing, the hearing is lawyers said typically takes three, four hours. We were there for eight hours, uh, went back and, and I crashed. I slept for 12, 13 hours. It was just, just emotionally draining. And, but once again, provided me a certain amount of clarity and, and understanding as to what this process is and what other people have gone through. And, and it's not fun. Um, mm, no. So a lot of growth experience in there. Yeah. Well, it's clearly evident you've grown a lot. And um, even, even before this, you were, you were growing, but this has made you a much stronger man. And I'm very proud of the person you are today. And like I said, I, I enjoyed every aspect of competing against you, but um, you are uh, truly an honorable man. I believe that. Uh, to my core. And I know that you didn't willingly take any supplement that was going to give you an effective um, performance enhancement uh, um, on top of any of your competitors. It's just not you, you know, you're going to try and you're more of the type of guy who's going to try and find a way to be technically better in the water than to try and take any supplement to make themselves better, uh, you know, than, than their competitors. It's just not in your nature. So I'm truly impressive. The, the, the struggle that you've gone through the last nine months, um, I'm thankful that I've been able to be there for you at times because I know that it has been tough on you. But um, just to see you sitting here today and articulating is just really impressive, actually. And it's so, so, so important that we get this podcast out because it could happen to anybody, any athlete. If you think you're immune to this, like you said, if you think someone's not going to break into your house at night because that's going to happen to somebody else, Trust me, you know, it can happen to anybody. So we truly need to get this message out. Um, I'm thankful that you have come on here today. Is there anything else that you feel like we've left out that people really need to know? I think what I think is important is um, well, one of my friends and I, we're currently developing an app um, to help, you know, this entire process. I can't go into too much detail as to what it is, but it, but it is to help that. Um, I've reached out to several athletes and or that have reached out to me and I've just said, it's a simple write down what you're taking when you start taking it, what the batch number is, what the lot number is, have that because that way at least you have, you know, chronological record of what you were taking when you were taking it in the event that something like this happens. And it's, you know, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it, which is exactly the situation I was in. Um, Besides that, I, I understand why people out there have judged me. I understand why people have commented on, on swim swam and said the negative things. In the beginning, it really, really hurt me to, to see the comments and, and have people that look, but you don't know me. It's like, if, if, you, if you had my telephone number and you were able to call me and that was your opinion, you're wanting to share that conversation with me, then, then awesome. I can, you know, I can chat to you about it and explain things, but here are people that have never you know, probably met me. And, 
and there's they coming from a level of understanding a leg, level of, of ignorance in many ways because they haven't been able to view the entire situation or being able to be in that exact situation themselves so i think that in and of itself was the biggest lesson for me the amount of judgment i had on other people without a full knowledge without full understanding of of what their struggle may have been what they may have been going through to be able to step back and be like, man, I, I have judged others unfairly. And that was part of the reason why I sent Caesar the message is I judged you unfairly. I, I apologize for that. And mm. uh, so a lot of lessons, I think, you know, with this whole coronavirus coming up now and, and the level of things that we can't control, strangely, I feel very, very much at peace with everything that's going on because, you know, I was the kind of person that was, I needed an explanation. I needed an understanding. I needed a way or a glimpse of the future. And, you know, through this whole thing, I started understanding that the future I create in my mind can either be really, really negative or really, really positive. The future hasn't happened yet. So before the trial, I was like, man, this is gonna be, I'm gonna be banned for four years. I'm never gonna be an athlete again, et cetera, et cetera. But that reality is just as possible, as plausible as the reality that they can see in my favor and that we can even find the source of the contamination and I can race again at the next Olympics or if I choose to race at the next Olympics. So it's, you know, we're trying to, you know, create an image of, uh, of a future and it can really be positive or, or really, really be negative. And I think there's been a lot of lessons in, in, in that for me and not focusing on the negatives and, you know, living a life that's truly authentic and, and one that is based in the possibility of the future. Wow. That's cool. Very well said, man. Now listen, your suspension is up here soon next month. Um, you've, you've served your year and obviously with the virus and, and things have been pushed back as you sit here today, do you think that you want to try and compete at the next Olympics? I think there's a huge allure to it. I, um, I, I've spoken about it a lot at, at the Fit of Foster Clinics. Um, I think going to my very first Olympics in 2000, it was about pure possibility. The, you know, you've never had the opportunity to experience that level of event before. And 2004, there was a greater level of ex expectation, um, but still the ability to, to sit back and, and, and really allow the performances to happen. And then 2008, there's an even greater level of expectation. Okay. Well, I was a silver medalist in the hundred and a bronze medalist in the 50 and we won gold in the relay. Now is really this opportunity to capitalize on this and be even better. You know, and, uh, and there's so much pressure associated with that. And then 2012 again, and I never really had the opportunity to enjoy an Olympic games until 2016, where I, I went as a coach for Trinidad and Tobago for, for George and, and Dylan to really experience Olympic games. That was, you know, fun and enjoy all the components of it. Enjoy the insecurities, enjoy the, the positivity of it. Um, so my goal was to go to Rio as an athlete and be able to, you know, try and enjoy the games a little bit more. But it wasn't until I'd been there as a as a coach and, and seen the Olympics and just watched other athletes. I don't I never realized how much athletes are have this tendency to be in their heads, but standing by the pool and just seeing people overthinking things. Mm. You know, whether it's a swimmer doing five, six, seven starts, you just see the level of, you know, insecurity within them. Whereas, mm. I mean, you know, you've coached some of the best athletes in the world that 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 allure and that confidence when they stand up there, they know they don't have to try and do anything else. So it's to, you know, for me, I was always tinkering, always trying to work, always trying to fix, always trying to find ways to get better. 
so there's this allure to be able to go to Tokyo um, and say, man, I just relinquish all control. You know, my, I would love to win another Olympic gold medal. That's awesome. That's really lofty aspiration, whether that's not, whether that's a reality or not, maybe, you know, we talk about pure potential. <laughs> Anthony proved that at his age, he could win an Olympic gold medal when nobody gave him that, you know, that possibility. Mm. Um, so maybe that's within the realm of scope. But to me, if, if I did go, um, you know, we'll talk a bit more about it. I want to do it and, and go and just be like, man, I, I just want to soak this up. I want to enjoy everything about this because that's what people don't understand is you may only have one Olympic games in your entire career. You may only have two, um, but to be able to enjoy that every single moment from the time, you know, you start the preparation because, you know, as cliches as, as it may sound, it's not, it's not necessarily just about that destination. I mean, you have to be able to appreciate that, that destination, but it's about the entire process, the buildup, uh, the struggles, the highs, the lows, understanding that's just part of that process of, of being a champion. And it's going to be up, it's going to be down. Uh, that appreciation of everything you've put in. So at the end of the day, you know, it's like going up a mountain. You know, are you just always focused on the top? And at any time, can you actually take a step back and look behind you and be like, man, look at how far I've come. Because when you get to the top of the mountain, there's another mountain that's bigger than that. <laughs> and I think most people understand that dynamic. And so for me, the goal would be if I do go to another Olympic Games, just to, to enjoy the process more than I ever have. Um, to enjoy that Games more than I ever have. And, and have it be more like a childlike experience where, I mean, you know what kids are like. It's just everything's new. Everything's fantastic. Everything's pure potential. Um, I saw... Garrett, Garrett McCaffrey, the swim club coach or at Phoenix Swim Club, the head coach, he's a little kid, you know, wearing a Spider-Man outfit and he's trying to climb on the wall. And literally that there is nothing in his scope of reality that does not say that he will actually physically be able to climb up a wall like Spider-Man does. Mm. And it's sort of that attitude of just pure possibility, you know, not, not dealing with the history that is the baggage uh, that we carry around with us. Yeah. I love it, man. Well, it's nice to see you smiling again. It's nice to see you in a, in a good frame of mind. Um, listen, I know you've been through hell and I, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. I know you wouldn't either, but I know that if, if it does happen to somebody, you're, you're going to be there for them. That's for sure. I know no that. So no um, appreciate your time, brother. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll be in touch. No doubt about that. Yeah, I love you, my friend. Thanks for being there for me every step of the way. You were instrumental in, in helping me get through this. So I appreciate um, you. Oh, no problem. Love you too, man. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. We'll chat soon. Bye.